All right. Welcome to the latest episode of the Maroon Special Report series, where we bring you breaking news updates from campus. My name is Greg. I'll be hosting today, and I'm joined by William. And I'm Carter. Great. So today's report is on the latest unionization effort on campus. This is on the heels of GSU UE's vote to unionize, which was certified by the National Labor Relations Board on March 16th. This latest effort is being led by social writing advisors, writing and research advisors, lectors, and writing specialists at the University of Chicago, who are joining together to form a union, Writing Faculty United, or WFU, part of Faculty Forward. To speak about this, we have Cameron here with us today. Cameron, why don't you tell us about your relationship to the university and to WFU? Yes, yeah, so thank you guys so much for having me. Um, so my relationship to the university, um, I'm a writing specialist. That's one of the roles included in the new union. I'm a full-time staff member at the college, um, and I teach in the humanities core as a writing specialist. Um, so in the union, um, I'm one of the members of the organizing committee and am here, yeah, on behalf of them, I guess. So are you attached to a specific class or to specific professors? Like, what is your relationship with the academic team, like the like the, um, the, the course professors, as to say? Again, like, my role is only one of several that are included um, in the new Union for Writing Instructors, but the way that my particular role works, which is the writing specialist, is that every humanities core class, right, sort of is led by kind of two people. There's a faculty member who handles sort of the content side of the course, and then there's a writing specialist who handles the writing instruction component. So if you were, for example, taking HBC this quarter, you might have um, a faculty member as your faculty member. And then I would be in the classroom, too. And I would take you um, to I would teach sort of seminars with you three times over the course of the quarter, which many of your listeners may have experienced themselves in the past. And you mentioned your specific role as a writing writing instructor. Um, like, who all is included in, in the group that's... Yes, so Writing Faculty United, which is the name of our um, the union that is in the process of forming, has four um, job categories that it includes. The four basically add up to everyone who does classroom instruction in writing at UChicago. So that includes writing specialists like me who teach in the humanities core. Then there are social writing advisors who teach in the social sciences core. Um, there are lectors who are the people that teach LRS, the Little Red Schoolhouse, um, that upper division um, writing class. And then there are also a fourth role, which are the writing and research advisors in the English department who advise senior theses there. Okay. And what sort of um, people are part of this program? Like what, what sort of are they? Are they former students, current students, or do they even have to have been a student? How do people get involved? Yes. So all of the people who are members of our union are not current students. They're not graduate students. Um, we are all staff members in one way or another. Um, so speaking for my own role, right, like some writing specialists were students here, either in undergrad or maybe in one of the university's master's programs and then came back to teach in the writing program. Um, others went on to get their Ph.D. either here or elsewhere and then came to the program that way. Um, I have a little less specific knowledge of our other three job categories, but I think similarly you'll find people who may have finished a master's program at the university or somewhere and then got into teaching. Some people who are still looking forward to getting their PhDs, but um, some people who already have PhDs, but in general, nobody who's a current graduate student. We're all staff members. 
Okay, so some of the demands that WFU has in its um, letter to the administration include working conditions that allow us dignity, including a living wage and benefits, transparency, democracy, and equity at UChicago, recognition of our value in the university community, and a voice in how writing instruction is conceived and executed. Would you like to elaborate on any of those? Totally. Um, so I guess when it comes to the aims of the union, I tend to think of it as kind of having two key components. One component is what I think of as sort of the bread and butter issues, right? So for example, you know, our members struggle with sort of only having marginal job security. Um, our pay is not kept up with inflation. A lot of people who work as social writing advisors, right, work nearly full-time hours, but due to the way that their employment is structured, they are treated as part-time employees who don't have health care, don't have vision, don't have dental, anything like that. Um, and in fact, um, under the current system, if you're a social writing advisor and you switch to become a formal full-time employee, your pay actually decreases. So there's kind of a perverse incentive there. So. We have this sort of mix of issues, right, related to job security, pay, benefits, um, and all of that that we want to secure for our members. And then there's a whole other side, too, which maybe touches more on the demands that you mentioned about sort of equity and democracy and transparency, which we know the university, right, has already sort of held core conversations. These are public events on campus. Um, you know, they've talked about reforming the core, about changing the way that writing instruction works as part of that. And, you know, we don't know what that will involve at all, but we do know that as members of the on-campus community, it's important to us to have our voices heard. We want to be part of that conversation. We want to be involved in those decisions together with other stakeholders and not just sort of receive them from on high, right? So basically, we want to shore up working conditions so that we can work with dignity and we want to shore up our standing in the community so that we can participate as full democratic members of the U Chicago campus community. So it sounds like they they trust you to teach the writing, but they don't trust you to design what to teach. Is that, is that what it is? That sort of like you don't get a say in what you are teaching. They just sort of tell you. Sort of what I had in mind is a little less fine grained than that, right? So. It's, it's perhaps a little much to get into the specifics of how the curriculum works across the different roles. You know, for example, in my job, right, writing specialist, there's kind of a core curriculum that the writing program has developed over its sort of decades of expertise. And each individual specialist both sort of, you could say, kind of uh, remix, well, you could say they kind of remix that curriculum each in their own way. So it's, it's not really exactly a matter of what we teach being tightly controlled. It's more about like, if there are going to be changes to our role, if there are going to be changes to the core, these kind of bigger structural things, right, this is the place that we want to have presence, right? This is the place that we want to be legible and have a voice. One thing I'm curious about is whether other unionization efforts have affected your decision to push for unionization or if you drew any inspiration from them. So, I mean, obviously, in recent years, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, the university has seen a, a number of unionization efforts. Um, Faculty Forward, established in 2015, which represents over 300 non-tenure track instructors teaching over 1,500 courses at the university, and of course we have GSU, um, which was you know it, it was certified on March 16th. Um, and so, has the climate that these movements generated had any effect on your move to unionize, or have you consulted with them in any way? Yeah, that's a great question. I think like 
I think I can like confidently speak for everyone in WFU, right, and say that like our union movement has definitely drawn sort of inspiration and strength from other ones on campus, right? Um, it kind of all got started, in fact, when we initially had contact with members of Faculty Forward, which is the non-tenure track faculty union here at UChicago organized by SEIU, which is also our partner union. Um, GSU, of course, has kind of, you know, in many ways, I think, done a lot to set the cultural pace of unionization on campus for academic workers. And in that in that capacity and in providing sort of advice and support, right, they've been a big influence on us and a big inspiration, I would say, as well. Um, you know, something that, just to speak as myself, I think is important is, like, universities are kind of one of the few sort of, quote-unquote, kind of businesses, right, where there is a sense of the political community, right? There's a sense that, like, we, these are the stakeholders, we are the people that are here, we sort of, you know, constitute something that maybe has a little more cultural oomph than just sort of the people who happen to work in, like, a print shop or something, right? which of course is no slander on print shops. I mean, I don't know anything about them personally, but there, there's this sense of like integratedness, right, that we have at a university. And I think like that really creates an environment in which unions can culturally reinforce each other. Like if the message coming from GSU is that graduate students, you know, they're not assistants, they're not children to be pushed around, they're not people to be spited, they are workers, who deserve dignity, who deserve a co-equal say with the faculty members they work with, that's a strong message, right? And if the message from faculty forward, right, is that adjuncts and contingent faculty are not these nobodies who can be treated disposably, who anything can be done to, you know, but instead people who have to have dignity, people who deserve to have dignity, people who should have a say in the community around them, that's another powerful message. And those are messages that we mirror and draw on too, right? as a union that is trying to send the message, we are workers, we deserve dignity, we deserve conditions that support dignity, and we deserve democracy. Um, and also not to sort of pass over, right, um, other unions on campus that pertain to say facility services and stuff. Also, of course, drawing inspiration from every union movement that can make UChicago a union campus. Now, um, you know, following off of the recent GSU unionization vote, do you think that um, WFU will, you know, kind of enjoy the tailwinds of, of the university kind of having to accept the um, GSU unionization and, and hopefully, you know, accept WFU? Um, or how do you see those dynamics playing out? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think university decision making, like deep on the inside, is always a little bit inscrutable, right? So we don't know exactly how the GSU thing will affect us. I think probably the most prominent fact in the brain of every WFU member is the degree of support that our bargaining unit has attested to, right? We had more than 80% of our units signed cards, more than 80% of our units signed the petition that we delivered earlier today, asking the university to recognize us voluntarily. That's an overwhelming majority, 80%. An 80% victory in an election is considered a landslide. <laughs> there is landslide support amongst writing instructors for unionization. And I think for us, that's the fact that feels most deeply material. Although we, of course, again, like do see ourselves as part of a larger movement, definitely are hoping that there is momentum to be inherited. But of course, the specifics are kind of uh, obscure. And then as a follow-up, um, you know, do you think that the WFU will be an open or a closed union um, in terms of, you know, writing instructors and writing advisors having to join the union? Um, or do you believe that, you know, it would be the writing instructor's choice um, to join the union? 
So I think, you know, I'm not an expert on labor law. I think there's probably a, a standard way that that's handled across all unions. Um, specifically how it works, I am not prepared to explain. Um, I don't know it actually. I think legally, right, closed shops are illegal. So I think everyone has the opportunity to opt into the union. Um, then maybe there's some like legal provision around how that affects whether you pay dues or not. Um, but um, again, this is a little bit above my pay grade at the moment. Um, I would need to consult with um, our friends who are more versed in labor law to plot this. Yeah, excuse me, the specifics. Thank you. Yeah. But you mentioned earlier that you know there's a big gap in um, both the pay not keeping up with inflation and also being reverse incentives of moving to full time. But I think it's it's useful to clarify what exactly are the differences right now between staff members who are considered part time in the writing staff. Um, and other academic faculty? That's a great question. So when I mentioned the benefits thing earlier, this is specifically an issue in which I'm thinking of our colleagues in the union who are social writing advisors, right? So um, I, guess, I guess if your audience is undergraduates, they're not that familiar with this employment system, right? But most social writing advisors work on what's called a, a per appointment basis, basically meaning that you get a set chunk of money in order to um, teach a set number of sections, and that 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 appointment, each individual one is technically part time, and then you you can stack them up and have multiple ones at once, right? Where you are teaching more sections for more money, kind of like a multiplier effect. Um, so the state of affairs, right, is that many social writing advisors have what's called a triple appointment, meaning that they work thirty nine hours a week, three thirteen hour appointments. So 39 hours a week, right? That's full-time employment. Mm -hmm. But on paper, they are only part-time employees because they just have three 13-hour week jobs with oh. the same you know, employer. Um, so doing that right, um, they're treated as temporary employees at UChicago. They have no benefits. Um, so compare that, for example, if you look at like the faculty forward contract, Everyone who works for Faculty Forward, including um, everyone who's in Faculty Forward, I should say, including part-time lecturers, right, receive benefits. So that's a big disparity, right? I mean, you know, you, you read in the news a lot about people's having their sort of lives broken by like an expensive medical appointment or something. Like whether you can access secure health care is integral to dignity, you know, and this is not to speak even of all the other benefits that a person can have, like vision, dental. Et cetera, et cetera. So I think that in particular is one of our one of the situations we really want to alleviate. Um, and also just to clarify something. So the situation I mentioned before is that if you're a social writing advisor, right, and you have a triple appointment, if you try to convert yourself into a full-time employee for social writing, you will actually make less money. It will cost it will cost you money to do that. So this is the perverse incentive that I mentioned. Um, so we want full-time employment with benefits available for them and for us and for all of the job categories available, right? This is another equity point. We want all writing instructors at the University of Chicago to have what they need. As a follow-up question to that, um, do you know of any other writing instructors that, you know, work, you know, another job on top of their um, commitments as a writing advisor? Yes, um, of course, right. I'm not sort of privy to the details of the personal lives of all of our members, nor do I really want to, you know, go too far in sharing them. But I can say that for a fact, right, I know that at least that many of our members work multiple jobs. I know some of our members have three jobs, you know, 
and are still right like barely scraping by so like this is a bad economy life is expensive you know these things are not that well remunerated um this is again like the kind of the kind of situation that unionization can help with um what are some challenges that you faced so far i think hmm challenges that we face so far i think there's just kind of it's almost a tough question to answer because when i think about organizing i often think of it as just sort of being this one big challenge right which is like you know by default right in a workplace people are always kind of scattered like maybe they'll see each other in the hallway maybe there'll be like a community coffee hour that their program puts on but you know other than that the challenge becomes right when you have this big group of people who don't have a lot of like natural meeting places, a lot of natural path crossing, how do you bring them together? Like, how do you find a way to sort of create a culture, create um, a social environment where people can relate to each other in a democratic way, right? And then, right, there's just like the daily hardship, you know, the sort of bread and butter struggle of all organizing, right? Which is like, you get people into a room and you have to find a way to sort of work together as a group you know, to make decisions as a group to relate to each other in that democratic way. And I think like, you know, I'm just very proud and just like honored to be a part of the work of that type that has got on in WFU, the Writing Faculty United, the Writing Union. Um, like I think our organizers and our members have really done a lot to sort of take what it was, you know, initially and, you know, um, well, I almost said by design, but I don't mean by design, but just sort of by default, you know, by default a very atomized group of people, people who, you know, work together, but not like with a lot of face-to-face -face contact, not with a lot of sort of intimacy and turn them really into a community that can stand up for itself. Like that's a real achievement. And I'm very happy, you know, to be able to say that we did that. I'm very honored to be a part of that. And if you don't mind me asking, um, you know, you said that about 80% of, of writing instructors signed on to um, unionization. Um, you know, do you know why the other 20% didn't? Understanding that, you know, 80% is still a landslide, why did the other 20% not sign on? I mean, I think, you know, people can have all sorts of personal reasons for not wanting to sign a petition or for just not having the time to engage with it or for, you know, in any, any, any number of ways it can fall through the cracks, right? So, like, I don't, I don't really want to speculate beyond that, right? We sort of reach out to people and we try to create relationships with people and, you know, some, sometimes it works out and we, and sometimes we never hear back from people and, you know, that's how it goes, right? You can, you like no, no, no organizing campaign 100% perfectly reaches every worker, but we really work our hardest to bring together as many people as possible. And then what is the internal structure of the UFW, I mean, um, WFU. Yeah, WFU. Um, like, you know, um, kind of how, how have you designed the internal power structures? So, you know, the, f the phrasing of that question kind of makes me feel like you expect sort of a constitutional answer. Um, but It doesn't have to be a constitutional answer. Just well, no, it's, yeah. a, it's a very fair question. Um, I think... I, would, I, would, I don't think I can give you an answer that's exactly constitutional. So, like... Kind of the most on paper thing, right, is that there is an organizing committee, right? This is self-selected. It's always been open. You know, we've always invited anyone who wants to be an organizer can be an organizer. Um, those are the people who kind of probably do most of the administrative work. You know, they reach out to people. They do one-on-ones. They try to put events on, all these things. But 
you know, the, the meat of our sort of organizational process, right, um, some of which is initiated by the organizing committee, other things being initiated by other people, kind of comes in our general member meetings, right? Like, I, I personally, to speak for myself, am a big believer in sort of getting work done via meeting activities, you know, getting some people, getting them in a Google Doc, get them answering questions, get people opening up, talking about how they feel, what they want, what would make them feel differently, and just via that sort of very horizontal, very democratic process, trying to sort of arrive at decisions, arrive at ideas for activities, arrive at blueprints for how things will be carried out, you know, we designed our campaign plan that way. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a method that, again, like I'm very proud of and I'm very, you know, honored that the people who have participated in it have chosen to. Yeah. And then, um, you know, one other question for me is, you know, I'm a strong believer in the power of storytelling, the power of stories to connect with the people. So, you know, what is your story in, in coming to wanting to unionize um, with um, WFU? And that's a great question. I mean, well, like, you know, the shortest answer is that I'm one of those people who, when I saw, you know, an email in my inbox, um, you know, a couple months after I got hired that say that says like, oh, there's going to be a meeting to talk about potential unionization. I'm referring to a meeting that happened way at the beginning of our process um, months ago. Um, I thought like immediately, like I have to go, right? Um, I think for me secondarily, right, like a thing that really sort of captures my imagination and sort of thrills me emotionally too is just the chance to kind of work in and make community, right? Like, I love the way that organizing kind of brings people together and especially brings people together in kind of a horizontal, democratic way, you know, that does not really happen naturally, like anywhere in society at this point. I think it's just sort of a way of relating to other people that is a privilege of being involved in organizing. So, like, the desire to sort of have that and just experiment with people and just talk to them and say, like, what bothers us? What do we want to change? How can we change our lives? Like, what what is something really cool that we can make together? What is a really good culture that we can make together? Like, these are sort of um, political questions that really fascinate me and that I think are just, like, very integral to, like, all political life. So getting to actually mess with those, right, and not just read about them, right? This is maybe something that can resonate with your audience. Getting to actually work, right, with the fabric of real life. There's a sort of un unimaginable thrill. I don't know. Maybe that's a self-centered way to put it, of course. You know, I'm also like, you know, I think driven by a deep sense, right? I mean, maybe this is not something a person can say about themselves, but like, I really do want safety and security and dignity for my coworkers. You know, I approach them with love and I want them to have what they deserve deeply, but also on top of that and through that and, you know, Thankfully, in if it's so deeply in tandem with that, there is this ability to just like try to make stuff with people. And I, I can't, I don't know if you can detect the excitement in my voice, but for me, there, there is like, there's no way to perhaps communicate through the space of a microphone, but I just find this sort of one of these primally exciting things. So, yeah. And then, um, you know, last unionization cycle, Provost um, Kai Si Lee sent out an email to, um, you know, I think everybody in the university community, but also to undergrads stating that unionization might affect, you know, your future. So I think it's only right to, you know, have you, you know, you know, if you could tell the undergraduates one thing about unionization, what would that be? Well, I mean, 
One of the classic arguments for unionization, right, is that workers who live with dignity can teach with dignity. Workers who have enough money and enough security can have the kind of calm, untroubled minds that allow them to give themselves more fully to pedagogy, right? And I think this is very true, right? You know, frazzled, sort of burnt out people who see their own disposability written on the wall, right? Um, and saying that, I'm not referring necessarily specifically to anything at UChicago, but just kind of the broader situation, right, that's faced sort of precarious academic labor in this country. Like, people like that cannot teach effectively, or at least they do, well, let me say that differently. They do teach effectively, but they teach effectively at enormous personal cost, right? And what can be achieved when dignity is provided is even greater and even warmer and, you know, most importantly, does not come at the flesh and blood price of the instructor. So, like, it just, it will allow people teach better and to have a deeper relationship with their students. But I think on top of that, there's another thing, right, which is that, like, you know, this is a university that pays a lot of lip service to sort of the idea of autonomy, right? You're supposed to come here as a kid and learn how to critically think, think for yourself, make for yourself, act for yourself, right? And, you know, a voiceless worker, a worker who is deprived of the means to stand up for themselves is not a model for that. But a worker who is in a union, a worker who can create political communities and work democratically with others to make things happen, that is the model, you know, that is the real basis for the subjectivity that the university says it wants its undergraduates to learn. So, you know, I can only hope that, like, together with, like, the rising current of union movements on campus and all these things, that undergrads themselves, right, can feel empowered to think critically about their surroundings, think about what they want to change, what they want to make, and also, like, realize themselves as political beings. Because I do, I do agree with the lip service, right? I think that is the most dignified and powerful human condition, and it should be shared by instructor and student. All right, so what are next steps for you guys? Next steps. Um, so... The big next step pertains to today's big event, which I think we haven't really mentioned that much yet, which is that this morning, right, um, some members of the organizing committee and some members of WFU writing Faculty United um, went and delivered um, a letter um, stating our petition, um, a letter that contained our petition asking the university administration to voluntarily recognize us, right? So I think right now we are sitting back with bated breath to see how they will respond. I mean, we, we of course, have a very strong sense of what the reasonable response is. You know, we have demonstrated overwhelming support for ourselves. We have the support of our members, and we are ready to bargain. And now the ball is in their court. Um, yeah. What has been your interactions with the university before this message this morning? In an, in an official capacity, none at all, right? We've had no for, former contact with any of the administrators to which we delivered our letter this morning. Um, I mean, perhaps rumor about our activity has filtered up to them. I mean, I guess that's possible. I don't know if it's terribly likely, but, you know, I think, like, when you're thinking about the upper administration and us, um, I think they've probably just not been thinking about us at all. But now, now they will be, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was there a reason that there had been that, like, you just wanted to wait till you had the support to really get the message there, or what was the reason that there? this is the first communication, if you've been, you know, uh, working to build for four months? I think there's a certain kind of common sense um, flow to unionism, which kind of says that you start out underground, right? Unions, you talk to your coworkers, 
you keep it like a little bit secret at least or at least as secret as you can while still like i said trying to build a culture and a community and you just work with people you build support you create a network you create a robust organization right and then when that organization reaches a certain stage of maturity um, which in the U.S. usually coincides with it also being ready to participate in the legal process of unionization, right, um, of which the action that we're requesting, voluntary recognition, would be a part. Um, then at that point, the organization comes above ground and, you know, says, this is who we are, everybody's behind us, now please, you know, be reasonable and deal with us as reasonable people would, which of course is our ask to the university, right? So it's kind of the way that things are done. And then um, as a follow-up question, um, a lot of students, you know, kind of don't understand the relationship between, you know, on-campus unions and their, um, you know, larger overarching union bodies like WFU and SEIU Local 73. So what is the relationship between WFU and SEIU Local 73 like? Yes, so that's a good question. Um, On the technical side, right, the way that it works is that workers who are organizing at a particular workplace, so this being WFU in our case, um, will partner with like a larger national union, um, in this case, SEIU. Um, That larger national union will provide support like um, sometimes advice, you know, printing resources, um, capacity, um, lawyers, that's a very key part. and in exchange, the workers, you know, will eventually pay dues to that union. Um, so that that's kind of the blueprint. In particular, right, um, we've had the opportunity to consult with SEIU about a lot of the decisions we've made. Obviously, we've coordinated with them on legal strategy and things like this. And yeah, that's kind of the um, relationship. Um, yeah. yeah. All right, I say we close out. So. I guess one last question is, what are some ways people can show their support? That's a great, 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 great question. (laughs) So I think in the meantime, probably the best way to show support would be to follow our social media. So you can follow us on Twitter at UChicagoWFU at, sorry, that's at UChicago, you know, the usual spelling, WFU. And um, I believe our Instagram handle is the same. So again, UChicagoWFU on Instagram and Twitter. That's a great place to um, keep up with us. I think the other thing to do, right, is just to talk to your writing instructor. Um, I think another next step for us, actually, that I should have mentioned, right, is that we do want to sort of build relationships with other stakeholders on campus or more, more precisely continue building them. And that includes undergraduates, right? So like... Talk to your writing instructor, your writing instructor can tell you about the union, you guys can share experiences, and just like that kind of face-to-face contact, those kind of social networks are things that strengthen and support us, so that would be lovely as well. Yeah. Awesome. Great. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Cameron. Um, And that's all we have for today. Again, I'm Greg. I'm William. I'm Carter. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you giving us this platform, right? And I think I'm just very terribly excited about writing Faculty United, and I'm glad to be able to do anything to help reach a wider audience with it.